Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Of course, this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaking these words. But He tells us this parable, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, the foolish virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So we have the ten virgins here. Five are wise and five are foolish. And uh, what you'll see here going from verses 1 through 13, uh, there's basically three ways. Every verse can be, can be broke down into three-fold application. You have a three-fold application. Every verse in your Bible has a three-fold application. And this is the, this is the three-fold application. you got a historical, you have a doctrinal, and then you have a devotional or spiritual. I call it spiritual. So you got a historical application. This verse, what you're reading here, was written at a certain time in history. This was said by Jesus Christ at a certain time in history. So it has a historical application. That was about 2,000 years ago. It's got a doctrinal application. The doctrinal application is where do you put this when you're teaching it? Where does it go in Scripture to be doctrinally correct as a religious teaching? Well, you can't put this on a Christian because it says they had the oil and then they ran out. Verse 8. Luke, Luke 12, I believe, 36 is going to tell you that the bridegroom and the, and the bride are there coming together. So you can't apply that to Christians, so you've got to apply this doctrinally to the Jewish tribulation saints that are going through the tribulation period. That's where these verses go. But there's a spiritual application, and you can apply these verses spiritually to a Christian, and that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to take these verses and apply them spiritually to, a, to Christians living today. So let's go back up to verse 1. Then, he sh then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So the ten virgins, virgins, that speaks to, that speaks to a blamelessness. That speaks to pureness of character. So what you have in Christians today is you have a lot of people who live a life, live a clean life, live a separated life. They go to church, they talk about God, they, we would call sometimes say they live a Christian life. They're like, these, they're like one of these virgins. You, they're, they're pretty much pure. You can't, they're pretty much blameless in the law. You can't find a whole lot wrong with them. But here's the truth. You don't know if they have the oil or not. You don't know if they have the oil or not. That's what separates them out. I had a man tell me one time years ago, I, he came to work, started working for us at the city, and I witnessed to him, and I got a good testimony from him. He said, yeah, I got saved at a certain, certain church on a certain, certain day, and uh, I, you know, I know the Lord, I got saved, you know. So years later, I got word from somebody else saying that he was saying there is no God. So I confronted him, 
just a couple of weeks ago. Last week I confronted him. I said, well, I heard you've been telling people you don't believe in God. What's up with that? I thought you told me you were saved. He goes, well, I, I, I'm just not saying, I'm saying, I don't know if I believe in the God up in the sky. So does he have the oil or not? God knows, amen. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. I don't know if you have it or not. I know you have a lamp, but do you have the oil? That's what separates them out. That's what separates them out. Look at verse 2, and that's what we're going to look at. And five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So what makes you wise is having the oil. In these scriptures right here, all through the Word of God, oil is a great representation and is a typifies the Holy Spirit. Oil is the Holy Spirit. It typifies the Holy Spirit. It typifies in an anointing. When Aaron was being anointed as a high priest, they took oil and they put it on his, poured it on his head. That's an anointing. Oil, oil typifies an anointing. So, in, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. So here you have five foolish virgins have uh, don't have the Holy Spirit. Five wise virgins that have the Holy Spirit. Foolish virgins are those that appear to be ready, but actually are unprepared. See, what you have going on is you have people in the church. You have people that go to church. You have people that are associated with the church. And I, when I say church, I'm talking about any church in any area of this country. Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, you just name it. You have people associated with the church that may be going to church, that are in the church, but don't have the oil. They're like these foolish virgins. They're virgins. They're blameless. They're pretty much pure, but they don't have the oil. The Catholic Church is full of them like this. They're called religious Christians. They're religious. They're religious Christians. Jesus doesn't want religious Christians. He doesn't want you being religious. Religion will send you to hell. What does Christ want out of me? Christ says to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. See that ye in there? You say, well, I don't like the King James because they use all those ye's instead of the you's. You know what that ye means? That's a plural you. What we would say today is, you all must be born again. Down in Texas, y'all. Y'all must be born again. But ye is the proper English word for plural you. Everybody underneath the sound of my voice must be born again. You must have the oil. No one can see your heart. Amen? I can't see your heart, your spouse, your wife. They might know your heart, but they don't really know what's going on in your heart. They really don't know if the Holy Spirit's living in you. And if you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you never to leave. The Holy Spirit's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. The Bible says you're sealed into the day of redemption. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That, that Holy Spirit, once it's given to you, it's never taken away. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit has everything to do with the way a Christian acts. So now you're starting to understand why you turn on the TV or you look at churches and the whole church as a whole, as a whole, the whole church as a whole is a mess. <laughs> a complete mess. Because you got virgins running around with lamps that don't have no oil in them. That's one of the main prayers I pray for this church is, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. See, you can have the Holy Spirit, but you might not have a full filling of the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is, the Holy Spirit's living in you, but you might have it quenched. 
Paul talks about the quenching of the Spirit. What you can do is God wants to work out of you, wants to pull that the Spirit in you, work out of you, produce a fruit, but you're quenching Him. You're quenching Him. You're putting a bottle on Him. You're, you're, you're drying it up. I don't want that to happen here. That's why I pray all the time, Lord, your Holy Spirit, move among us. Lord, pray, pray Father, your Holy Spirit will move. Give us a feeling of the Holy Spirit. When somebody gets on fire for the Lord, you know when the Holy Spirit's moving on them. Yeah, amen. That's, a, that's the way the Lord works because the Holy Spirit is life. And when you see somebody that's moving in life, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, what the problem is, is that you can't tell who's the foolish and who's the wise, and people can fake it. They can fake having the oil. Seen it many, many times. They fake having the oil. What do you mean by that? Well, they fake having the oil is because they pretend they don't have it. Like, I'll give you a good example, one I heard. There was a guy, his name was Popoff. Y'all might have heard of him, Popoff Ministries. I believe this is his name. And he was a healer. And he would go along and he would say, the Lord has told me that you have a, a heart problem and he's going to heal you up and go, praise God. And, God's, and he would go around to these people and he had a microphone. He'd go around to these people in the audience and he would say, God's told me that your, 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 your mom's dealing with cancer and she's going to be healed of it. Praise God. And everybody, oh my God, that's so true. How did you know that? It was, so, it was a miracle of God that he had all this divine revelation from the Holy Spirit. And then 2020 did an investigation on him. And guess what they found out he was doing? What they would do is they would send all these plants out in the crowd while they're waiting to get into the church because they had these long lines to come see this. I wish we had long lines to get in here. They have long lines to come hear him. What they'd do is they'd set these plants and they'd be talking to them. like, well, are you dealing with anything? Oh, yeah, I'm dealing, my mom's got cancer and I'm dealing with that. And they'd write that person's name down. And what he did, he was walking around and he had an earpiece in his ear. And he's walking around, and they were in the back, and they're like, yes, this lady right here, she's dealing with, uh, her mom's got cancer. And then he'd say, uh, your mom has got cancer, and the Lord's telling me your mom has got cancer. The Lord wasn't telling him that. His wife was telling him that. And what happened was, I think it was 2020, it might have been one of those other investigative shows, what they did is they intercepted the radio waves between her and him and that earpiece, and they recorded it. And they could, you could hear him, her talking to him and him saying, oh, your mom has cancer. The Lord told me this, that, and another. A faker! Trying to get the big, make a buck off somebody. Man, Christians are the biggest saps I've ever met in my life. Saps, man. Why are we such saps for that stuff? Just think a little bit. Concert, you know, meditate on that a little bit. I've had, a, I had a, I've had a brother come up to me and say, oh, the Lord told me to tell you blah, blah, blah. You know what I told him? I said, why didn't the Lord tell me? I'm right here. I prayed to the Lord. Why didn't the Lord tell me? Well, the Lord wanted me to tell you. Why don't he tell me? Why didn't he tell you to tell me? Why didn't he tell me? He got mad at me. But you know what? That's how I feel about it. Lord, if you want me to know something, you tell me. I don't want somebody else to come to me. Hey, the Lord want me to tell, want me to tell you. No, the Lord can tell me. I'm right here. I haven't gone anywhere. You see this kind of nonsense that goes on? This is the same one that says, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm going to learn to speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. Well, you've got to speak in tongues or you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's the initial evidence of having the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Well, I don't speak in tongues. Well, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Yes, I do. I do have the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. You, don't have... you know what I found out from this same guy that's harassing me about that? I found out I'm over at his house and I'm talking to him. He's, like, he's practicing speaking in tongues. 
I said, you're practicing? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got, do, you got this sheet of paper here. And he goes, and he goes, you just keep saying those words. And the more you say it, you just, it just starts flowing out of you. Yeah, yeah, because you're, you're, you're practicing. What kind of gift is that from God when you got to practice it like that? Just, One of my favorite stories that Dr. Ruckman used to tell. I love Dr. Ruckman. Y'all know that. He used to tell that he was, this was years ago. He was out and about, and there was some uh, Jesus, they call themselves Jesus freaks. They got out of a van there at, at a convenience store, and he was pumping gas, and they were pumping gas, and the girl came over there, and she goes, Oh, do you have the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit? And he's, Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I have the Holy Spirit. He goes, Well, do you have it? And he said, What do you call, what do you call an initial evidence? She said, uh, Do you have, uh, do you have uh, the initial evidence which is speaking in tongues? And he said, his, his, his thing was, he had been putting up with this for years. So he said, next time they do that to me, I know what I'm going to do. So he just reared back and he goes, untie, bow tie, he just starts spitting out a bunch of gibberish on purpose. You know what she did? Oh, he's got it. He's got it. Christians are such saps. Think about it. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. No one can see your heart. But they both had lamps, amen. They both supposedly had oil in there. But you can't see the oil. You can see the lamp. Why wouldn't you know if they had it or not? Because it was daytime. And when it's daytime, it's hard to tell. Do they have it or do they not have it? Verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Both of them, the wise and the virgin. That's what's going on in the church today. Brothers and sisters, we're asleep. We need to, it's high time to wake up and start telling the lost and dying world, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Jesus Christ will save you. When anybody has any kind of problem, they come to you, any kind of problem. I don't care if it's physical, if it's financial, if it's emotional, if it's, if it's marriage problem, whatever it is. You don't have to have the answer. Nobody has the answers to everything. But you can also always say this, I don't know how to fix your problems, but I know the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. Oh, Lester Roloff, he did all his revivals to say, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And now in 2021, I can tell you, Jesus is the answer. Yeah. Yes, sir, he is the answer. He's the answer. All slept, both wise and foolish. I like what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 26. You don't have to turn there. In Matthew 26, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked them to pray with him. And in verse 40, he cometh unto his disciples, in Matthew 26, 40, he cometh unto his disciples, and finding them asleep, saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you just watch with me for one hour? Well, we should be watching and looking for Jesus Christ to come back and warning the world that Jesus Christ is coming back, and if you're not saved, if you don't have the oil when he comes back, no good thing is going to happen for you. Now, if you have the oil, if you're a wise virgin, that's all good news. But the bad news is, if you don't have Jesus Christ, that's bad times happening right there. Tribulation period, the Antichrist, all that. And the world, it's coming. Jesus Christ warned us. They asked him, what's the sign of the end of the world? How do we know the end of the world's going to happen? He said there'll be pestilences and plagues. Is there pestilences and plagues all over the world? called COVID. That's just one of them. See, we forget about the others. We just all know about that. He said the seas and the waves will be roaring. 
Are they roaring? Roaring? They are right down in Louisiana this morning. Category four. I heard the governor say it's probably going to be the worst hurricane since 1850. I just read a prayer letter from Brother LaVita that said down there where he's at in Honduras, down in Honduras, that they had a Category 4 and a Category 5 in the same season. That doesn't reach America because we're too worried about making fun of Trump and talking about how good Biden is. Men, this world, earthquakes in diverse places. They had a huge earthquake in Haiti, killed thousands of people. But we're too worried about keeping up with the Kardashians. It's all right there, just like Jesus Christ said. The times are here. And he says in Matthew 25, verse 5, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. We need to wake up. It's high time for us to wake up, brothers and sisters. It's discouraging to me that sometimes we come into church and we kind of come down to church and we're kind of tired and we're kind of wore out. And this would be the time where we should get excited. <laughs> Amen. This is the time where if there's any time, I mean, if you go to work and get tired, I understand. If you, you know, hey, you get tired of being at home and there's nothing on TV, you fall asleep on the couch. But if you can get yourself out of bed or get yourself off your couch and come into church, this is when we should get excited. We sing the songs. We should sing them loud. We should sing them, sing them like we mean them. We should read the Bible and believe every word we're seeing it and reading in it. And we should get excited for the Lord. Amen. I'm excited about Jesus Christ. And God forbid I'm not. If you come in here and you're like, well, he's boring or I don't like it. Well, just read your Bible and get excited about what you have in your lap. But be excited, amen. Paul says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Amen. So the, both the wise and the foolish, even though one of them had oil and the other one didn't, they both were acting the same. They both were just sleeping, not watching for the Lord. What's going to happen? We'll look at verse 6. See what happens here in verse 6. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Amen. That cry's coming. Yeah, amen, it's coming. That's why I get so excited about this stuff. Because I'm not preaching a dead religion from 2,000 years ago. I'm not preaching a dead prophet from 2,000 years ago. I'm preaching a living, risen Savior that's alive right now, that's coming back. And it might be tonight. Is the midnight oil burning? Have you got your midnight oil burning? It says at midnight. Burning the midnight oil. That's a saying that we have in America. Burning, I was burning the midnight oil. But are you? Are you burning the midnight oil? And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Jesus is coming. The cry is being made. All through America, all through the world, Christians everywhere are saying, Jesus is coming back. I was in Stephenville, Texas, minding my own business, trying to go in there and get me something to eat there at, what's that place called, Captain D's or whatever? I'm walking in, and I know Terry's looking at me like, you should have never ate there, brother. You're probably right. So I go in there to get something to eat. This, this guy comes out, and he has a hairdo like Bob Ross. Big old fro, the white guy like Bob Ross, the painter. He comes out of there, and he looks at me, and he stares me right now, and he says, Jesus Christ is coming soon. He keeps on going, amen, brother. He did, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. He's coming soon. <laughs> amen, he's coming soon. 
You got to understand when Jesus Christ is telling them, these Jews, about the bridegroom cometh, you got to understand the principle and what's going on. What they would do is when the bridegroom and the, when the bride and the bridegroom decided to get married and they arranged the marriage and she had to say yes and she said yes, well, what, the, what happened was the bridegroom would go away and he'd go and he'd build them a house and she would stay behind. And he would go and build them a house, their family. So she would have a house to live to. And you know, now you men, remember when you first were in love with your wife? I'm not saying you don't love your wife now, amen. But remember when that first, that excitement, that fire? And she first said, yes, I'll marry you. And if all you had to do is go build a house for y'all to get married, y'all would have went and did a little lean-to, you know. Maybe put up a little pup tent and come back. Okay, let's get married. But the way the Jewish law was, the father had to approve the house. So the bridegroom would go, he'd start working on the house, and the father would come along and say, no, that's not going to be good enough. You need to add another room here because y'all are going to have some children. You need to add another. You can't just have one room. So the father was in charge of saying yes or no. So the bridegroom would go away, he would build a house, and when the father came by and the father finally said, I think you're ready, what he would do is, Go get her. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like John 14? Jesus Christ said, Let not your heart, your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's all I want, Jesus. <laughs> That's all I want. I don't want a mansion. I don't want a Cadillac. I don't want a Mercedes. I, I don't even, I'm not even praying that you give me good health all my life. Lord, just promise me that you're going to come get me. And let me be where you're at. Because I want to be where you're at. If you're, if you're not here, then I want to be up there. But when you're down here, then I want to be down here. But wherever you're at, that's where I want to be. Paul calls us the bride of Christ. Keep yourself chaste as a virgin, as a bride of Christ. That's why we try to keep ourselves clean. We want to be clean for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back for us. And the bridegroom cometh. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. The Father has told the Son, Go get him. And boy, I'm telling you, the band is starting to play up in heaven. It's starting to warm up. The orchestra's starting to warm up. And God's about to get on this balcony. And He's about to tell Jesus Christ, Go get her. She's ready. Go get her. And we're going to get rapture out of here. Man, I'm excited about this stuff. I have a dear brother in Christ. He delivers our uniforms to the company I work for. He comes in and one week, he'll, every week it's something different in the Lord. Well, he comes in and he says, Brother, I'm trying to fast. I'm, I pray about me. I, I'm trying to fast. My, my body keeps fighting me about this fast. And I, I don't know if I, I'm just trying to fast, brother. Well, then this week he came in and he had accomplished what he wanted. He came in that back door and he's like, Hey, Keegan, Jesus is coming. I did a fast. Jesus is coming. He was so excited for the Lord. And I, he followed me around. He's like, Jesus this and Jesus that. And we need to get people ready. And we need to tell people about Jesus. And we need to tell people that they're going to hell without Jesus. And we need to get busy. He's coming. He's coming. It's like just like this wild dog. It's contagious. It made me excited. I mean, it brought a big old smile on my face. And he said, I'll tell you something else God did for me. 
I went through this fast. I said, I, I had a dream, brother. I said, really? God gave me a dream of the rapture. He said, man, that dream was, he was telling me all these details of the dream and how it all went down and everybody was going up and he was so excited. He said, man, I didn't want to wake up. I woke up and I want, I want to dream that some more. It's not a dream, brothers and sisters. It's the truth. He's this close to coming back. The band is playing up in heaven. It's any moment God can come to the edge and say, Jesus Christ, go get your bride. Woo! And we're out of here. Gone. And a midnight cry. And at the midnight there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. And the bridegroom would come down. And when the bridegroom would come down, because the bride never knew when he was coming. And the bridegroom would come down. It could be at nighttime. It could be in the middle of the day. Nobody knew. And he'd come down and he'd take his bride and he'd carry her back, carry her back to his father's house where he built this other house. And they'd have the big marriage feast, had the big marriage ceremony, and they would be married forever and ever. Well, the bride's, bridesmaids, the virgins, they were supposed to be ready to go because they nobody knew. Nobody knew when the, but they knew it was coming, amen. And they knew it could be at any moment. That he's getting his house built. We better get ready. He's getting the house built. So what they would do is the, the virgins, the bridesmaids, the virgins of the, of, the, of the young woman that was getting married, they would hang out and they'd be ready because they never knew if it was midnight or noon or whatever. They needed to get up and go. And that's what happened here. And at midnight, he came at midnight. There was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. They all think they're going, see. This is the sad part. They all think they're going. Verse 8, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. They realize they don't have any oil. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest it not be enough for us and you, but ye go, go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Foolish virgins have put their hope in their lamps of profession. What I mean by that is they put their hope in their profession. They don't have a heart for it. They just have said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like I had my guy that I worked with told me he was a Christian, but then in his heart he doesn't really believe. It's like I go to church, and I've had people tell me, I go to church because it's good for business. You know, up in uh, Brownwood, I had a guy in Brownwood tell me, it's, he, he had a used car lot, and he said, I go to church because it's good for business. You know, that way, you know, oh, he's a good Christian man. You can go buy a car from him. He'd sell you the biggest lunker piece of junk, you know. That's how people work. Foolish virgins have put their hope in the lamps of profession. The time is at hand, and they know that they're not ready. The time is at hand, and they know they're not ready. When that time comes, either the Lord comes back and rapture out his true church, or you take your last breath on this earth, are you going to know? Are you going to be ready when that time comes? This oil, this Holy Spirit is not something another virgin can give you. This oil, this Holy Spirit is not something another Christian can give you. This oil and this spirit is not something that I can give you. You can't come down this aisle and say, Brother Keegan, I want the Holy Spirit. And I can't say, Lord God, give them the Holy Spirit. I can't give you that Holy Spirit by prayer. I can't buy it for you. You've got to get it from the Lord God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. 
But the wise answer saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. The only place to acquire this spirit is through God the Father, through Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting because it says there to buy and sell. Go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And listen to these scriptures. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus Christ said, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You've got to ask. I can't ask for you. I can't ask for salvation for you. I can't ask for Jesus Christ to save. You've got to ask. It's a heart thing. Revelation 3, 18, Jesus Christ says, I counsel thee to buy of me. Go to Jesus and ask him. Well, I don't have enough money. I'll read this to you. You say, I don't have any money, Pastor. I'm poor. I am too. Listen to this scripture. Isaiah 55, 1. The Lord says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you searching for something to quench that thirst? That religious, you, you, you're, maybe you're very religious and you're bound to idols. Maybe you're, you're in a church and you're like, I'm just not getting fed. I'm not getting fulfilled. I'm not getting quenched. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, I'm going to repeat that again. He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Woo, that's the Lord God. He said, come on. I don't have any money. Don't matter. Come on. You don't have any money? Come on. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come on. The very end of the book of Revelation, what does the, what does the Holy Spirit and the bride say and Christ say? Come. Let's go. Come and drink of the waters freely. This all, all this stuff's free. The Lord, in, in, the Lord in those verses closes by saying this, Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you even the sure mercies of David. Praise God. Praise God. So you can't buy it with money. You can't buy it with works. The only way you're going to get it is through Jesus Christ. That's it. Look at verse 10. Of Matthew chapter 25. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in, they that were ready went in, and him to the marriage, him to the marriage, excuse me, and the door was shut. Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? <laughs> That's the question this morning. Are you, for a Christian that has the Holy Spirit, and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt they have the oil, the question I have for you, are you burning the midnight oil? And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you, are you ready? They were ready. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. Now get this. Being ready and getting ready are two different things. When you come and tell me, say, I'm ready. All right, let's go. But if you come to me and say, I'm getting ready, it's not time to go. Any of us husbands understand that with our wives, right? <laughs> Baby, you ready? Let's go. I'm getting ready. That doesn't mean she's ready, amen. And then another 10 minutes passes. Are you ready, baby? I'm getting ready. There's, that's a difference. There's a difference of getting ready and ready. Do you know you're going to heaven? Can you, can you say amen this morning if you know you're going to heaven? Amen. That's ready. Amen. Or are you working to get to heaven? So well, I'm working on it, Pastor. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Well, you're not ready. That's called getting ready. So well, I'm not. How can I'm not? I don't think you can know. 
I don't think you can know. Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse, uh, 8, I mean, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I know it. I know I have it. One of the scariest verses to me is verses 11 and 12. And afterward came also the other virgins, the foolish virgins, the ones that didn't have the Holy Spirit, the ones that didn't have the oil. Then they were saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Jesus, 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 Lord, Jesus, open. Hey, Lord, open up. Open It's me. It's me. Open up, Lord. Verse 12, but he answered. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you're not. I don't know who you are. You're not coming in here. What does that tell you? That tells you the simple truth that without the Holy Spirit, you can't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is where the people fall off by the millions in Christianity. Because they think Christianity is a work. They think Christianity is loving your enemies and being nice and going to church and tithing and, 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 and talking about the Lord. And what Christianity is, is a relationship. See, when, you, when Christ told Nicodemus and told us, ye must be born again, he went on to talk about that, that born again is not a physical thing. That born again is a spiritual birth. You must be born again into the family of God. You must be born again as a child of God. And without the spiritual birth, you can't get it into heaven. What does that mean? All the good works you do, all the church going you do, all the tithing you do, all the, the niceties and all being kind and sweet and love and all the loving and hugs you give, they do you nothing with God unless you have the spiritual birth. See, this is a spiritual thing. And that's what Christ talked to the woman at the well. At the, well the woman at the well, Christ told her, God is a spirit and he must, he must be worshiping spirit and truth. These are spiritual things, but the world... A majority of Christians think this is all physical. God intends for me to have a physical new house. God intends for me to be physically healthy. God intend, No, God doesn't intend it. It's all spiritual. These are spiritual things. And if you don't have that spiritual oil, if you don't have that Holy Spirit, when you go to that time and you're knocking on the door of heaven, you're like, hey, Lord, let me in. I was at your church. I was around all your people. He's going to say, I know you're not. And that's a sad thing. But it can change this morning. See, it was too late. The bad news for the foolish virgins, it's too late. But not for you. Amen? You still have a chance. The bridegroom hadn't came. We're still waiting. So while we're waiting, and Lord God, I wish he would come before the service is over. But while we're waiting, you can still get that oil right now. Having the Spirit is the only way you can have the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 tells us, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Giving you the verse. You know, it's just a couple of minutes till midnight. I've been preaching that all this morning. It's just a couple of minutes till midnight, and then we're going to be out of here. Just a couple of minutes. How can I know I have the Holy Spirit? If it's so important to have the Holy Spirit, if it's so important to have the Spirit, how can I know? Well, there's a witness in you. And it's found in Romans chapter 8. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to close here, and then we're going, we're, going, we're going to turn it over and have an invitation. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. How can I know I have the Holy Spirit? I don't want you to be left out. Man, 
I, I don't want to get to heaven and say, where's those so-and-so? They were at church. I, I don't see them. I didn't make it. Are you ready or are you getting ready? Not ready is getting ready is not ready. Look at Hebrews, I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. In closing, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but what have you received? But ye have received the spirit of adoption. See, we're born again, adopted in the family of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit, capital S, verse 16, the spirit, capital S, itself bears witness with our spirit, lowercase s, that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit bears witness to you like, yeah, you belong to God. That's why I warn you all the time, man. You see, one, one way you can spot these fakers is this. They'll say, God this and God that. God this and God that. God this and God that. If they're afraid to talk about Jesus Christ, if they're afraid to refer to God as a father, that's a real good clue right there. Because the Holy Spirit, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you know what happens to you? When you cry out to God, you don't say, oh, God, please help me. You say, oh, Father, please help me. Because now he's your spiritual father. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell.
Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.